Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with theocracy versus monarchy as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. It was because God was not being faithfully represented to them by their rulers that they were demanding a king like the other nations. The Lord said, you tell them what a monarchy is going to entail. And so Samuel told the people the words of the Lord. When you have a king that reign over you, he's going to take your sons, he's going to draft them and appoint them for himself and for his chariots, that they might be his horsemen. Some will run before his chariots. He's going to appoint captains over the thousands and over the fifties, and he will set them to ear his ground or to till his soil, to reap his harvest, to make him instruments of war and instruments for his chariots. And he will take your daughters that they might be his bakers and cooks and confectionaries. And he will take your fields, your vineyards, your oliveyards, and the best of them, and he will give them to his servants. You'll have to start paying taxes of 10%. And they had it pretty good. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work. And he'll take a tenth of your sheep, you'll be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people said, fine, we want a king. That we might be like all the nations that our king may judge us, go out before us and fight our battles. So Samuel heard the people. He went back and said, Lord, they said they still want a king. So the Lord said, hearken to their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, go your way, every man to his own city. Now there was a man of the tribe of Benjamin whose name was Kish. He was the son of Abel, and he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, and the word goodly is handsome. And there was not among the children of Israel a more handsome person than he. He was head and shoulders taller than anybody else. Just a big, handsome fellow. Saul, the son of Kish. In fact, he was just the most good-looking guy in all of Israel. Big, handsome, natural benefits and characteristics. Now, Kish's donkeys were lost. And he said to Saul, take one of the servants and go and look for the donkeys. And so Saul passed through Mount Ephraim, passed through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. They passed through the land of Shalem, and they did not find them there. So they passed through the land of the Benjamins. They, Benjamites, they did not find them. When they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, we better get back home because my father is going to quit worrying about the donkeys. He's going to start worrying about us. And so they said, how in the world do we get home from here? We're lost, more or less. 
And so they said, I hear that there is an honorable man, a prophet in this city. Let's go, and may he he can show us the way we should go. Then Saul said to the servant, but look, if we go to the prophet, we don't have anything to give him. Uh, We've spent everything that we had, and we have no present to give to the man of God. And the servant answered Saul and said, I have here a fourth part of a shekel of silver, and we'll give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Now, before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, come and let us go to the seer. They called the prophets in those days seers, and the word seer is that which it implies. It's a man who is able to see into the spiritual things or a man who has spiritual perception, and they were called seers. That was the original word for the prophets. Later on, they called them prophets, but in the earlier days, they were called seers. Then Saul said to the servant, Come on, that's good enough, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God was, and they went up to the hill of the city, and they found some young maidens going out to draw water. And they said, Is the seer here? Now, can you picture this handsome Saul, big, nobody's more handsome than he, and he's asking these young maidens where the seer is, and they are careful to answer him. And they answered him and said, He is, behold, he's before you, make haste now, for he came today to the city, for there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. As soon as you come into the city, you shall straightway find him. Behold, he goes up to the high place to eat, for the people will not eat until he has come, because he doth bless the sacrifice, and afterwards they eat, those that are bidden. Now if you'll get up, for about this time you'll find him. Hurry. And so they went up into the city, and when they were come to the city, behold, Samuel came out against them to go up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came. And in that neat, the Lord able to talk to Samuel like that. He spoke in his ear and said, Hey, tomorrow about this time, I'm going to send you a man out of the land of Benjamin, and you are to anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry has come up unto me. And so when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate, and he said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go and tell thee all that is in your heart. And as for the donkeys that were lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've already been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on your father's house? Now, he finds the prophet, and the prophet starts saying some weird things. He says, now don't worry about those donkeys. They've already been found. But upon whom is the desire of all Israel? Israel's desiring a king. Upon whom is the desire of all Israel? Isn't it not upon you and your father's house? And Saul said, hey, wait a minute, man. Don't lay that on me. I'm a Benjamite. We're the smallest tribe in Israel. My family is the least of all the families of Benjamin. What in the world are you saying unto me, man? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor, made them sit in the chiefest place among those that were bidden. 
there were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portions that I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, Set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder that was upon it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, set it before thee and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee since I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place unto the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they arose early, and it came to pass in the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose and went both of them and Samuel abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid your servant to go on in front of us and stand here for a while that I might show you the word of the Lord. So Samuel now is, is getting ready to reveal to Saul the, the things of God. Send your servant away. He took a little vial of oil and he poured it over Saul, over his head, and he kissed him and he said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Now when you depart from me today, when you get by Rachel's tomb, you're going to see two men. And they will say unto you, the donkeys that you were looking for have been found. And your father is no longer worried about the donkeys, but he's worried about you. Then as you go forward from there, you're going to come to the plain of Tabor. And there you're going to meet three men that are going up to God, to Bethel, and one is carrying three kids, another is carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. They're going to greet you. They'll give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive. And then when you come to the hill of God, where the garrison of the Philistines are, it shall come to pass that when you are come near the city, that you shall meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a harp and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And so let it be when these signs are come to thee that you do as the occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. So here the prophet is laying out the trip for him. Now, you know, as you go up, when you get to Rachel's tomb, there'll be a couple of fellows there. They're going to tell you, hey, man, the donkeys that you're looking for were found. Your dad's really worried about you. He doesn't know what's happened to you. As you go on a little further, you're going to meet three men who are going up to Bethel to worship God. One will have three goats, one will have three loaves of bread, another will have a jug of wine. They're going to offer you a couple of loaves of bread, take them. And then when you go just a little further, when you get near the city, there are going to be a bunch of prophets coming down. They're going to have some instruments. They're going to be playing and singing. And as you join them, God's Spirit is going to come upon you. You're going to be changed into another man. So at that time, do as the occasion seems best for the Lord is with you. And you will go down before me to Gilgal to offer the burnt offerings and the sacrifice offerings and the peace offerings. And seven days shall you wait till I come to thee and show thee what you are to do. And so it was when he turned his back from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all of those signs came to pass that day. And when they came near the, house, the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them, and it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he was prophesying among the prophets, the people said one to another, 
What is this that's come to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul among the prophets? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place, and Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, Where in the world did you go? And he said, To seek the donkeys. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, what did Samuel say to you? And Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But Saul didn't reveal to his uncle the other things that uh, Samuel had said about him being the choice of God uh, and the people to be the king. And so Samuel called the people together before the Lord there at Mizpah. And he said to the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all the kingdoms of those that oppressed you. And you have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near, by their families, the families of Matri were taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, he inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he's hid himself over there in the stuff. Now, the time has come to present to Israel their king. All of the children of Israel are gathered in Mizpah, this great day, the coronation of the king. And so Samuel is out there, big ceremonies, and he has the various tribes pass forth, and he takes the tribe of Benjamin. He has the families of Benjamin pass forth. He takes the family of Matre. And then out of the family of Matre, he takes Saul, and he says, all right, you're king. Where is he? And so he said, Lord, what's going on here, you know? What's happening? And the Lord said, oh, the guy's hid himself over there in the stuff. So they went over in the stuff, and they got Saul out, and, and they fetched him. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. He just stood out in the crowd. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen that there is none like unto him among all the people. And the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the men of Belial said, how shall this man save us? And they despised him and did not bring him any presents, but he held his peace. Now, there are a couple of things here in this latter portion that interest me and fascinate me. Number one is that anointing of Saul where the Spirit of God came upon him and he turned into another man, a real kind of a conversion experience. God's Spirit upon him his, and his prophesying and the heart was changed. A real work of God within his life. The second thing that interests me is that there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. This scripture always excites me because of its potential. 
Not that I am a chauvinist, but I think that there is nothing more exciting and fraught with possibilities than to get a bunch of men whose hearts have been touched by God. To me, the potential of a band of men, hearts touched by God, is just incomprehensible. What God can do when he touches the hearts of men. Now, for a long time, Christianity was looked upon as almost an effeminate thing. And the women were usually those who were committed to the Lord and trying to drag their husbands along. But that isn't God's order. God has intended that the man be the spiritual head and leader in the house in spiritual things. Now, if the man isn't, then I believe that the woman needs to take that place. But that is not God's divine order. It is God's divine order that the man lead the house in spiritual things. And how strong and how blessed is the house where the man assumes the spiritual role of leadership. But with the church, there was sort of an effeminate idea involved in Christianity. But I believe that Jesus Christ challenges the manhood of a man. I think that one of the greatest challenges to any man to really assert the fullness of his manhood is to commit your life completely and fully to following Jesus Christ. I think that's one of the most manly things you can do. I think it's powerful. I think it's dynamic. And when you get a bunch of fellows together who have really committed their lives to Jesus Christ, whose hearts have really been touched by God, you've got a potential of turning the world upside down. Men fully committed unto the Lord, unto Jesus Christ. What an exciting potential. Thus, we see that Saul has many advantages. Comes from a good home. Security, love. He knows his dad's going to be worried about him when he doesn't show up. The natural physique. Handsome, big. All means nothing compared with the Spirit of God coming upon his life and anointing him, changing his heart, turning him into another man. And then God puts around him a bunch of fellows who are just turned on for God, a band of men whose hearts God had touched. You have now here the potential of marvelous things for God. You've got all of the ingredients that you need for a real spiritual explosion. But we'll go on and see how it fizzled and why it fizzled. When we were kids, it used to be we could have legalized firecrackers here in California. 
We used to like the Black Panthers because they were good loud ones. But every once in a while, you know, you'd set the firecracker under the tin can, you know, and you'd light the fuse, and then you'd go back and you'd wait, and you'd wait, and you'd wait. No explosion. A fizzler. Of course, we learned when we were kids, then you could take the fizzler, break it in two, pour a little powder out, light the powder, and as it starts to shoot out, if you stomp it, it gives your foot a jar, but you can really make the thing explode. <laughs> but we used to always be disappointed with those fizzlers. Had the potential. Really blowing that tin can, didn't do anything. Fizzled out. I look at some people's lives again, and, and you see that potential. You see all the ingredients are there. Fizzlers. They never make it. What a disappointment the fizzlers are. God help us <laughs> not to be fizzlers. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 8-10 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. I pray that God will be with you this week, bless you at your work. He'll give you wisdom, guidance, and that His love will just really flow through your life in those difficult and adverse circumstances. May the Spirit of God rest upon you the anointing of His Spirit and power. And may you become the man God wants you to be. Doing the work God wants you to do for the glory of Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Want to know how to gain wisdom from God? Then don't miss out on Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith. Hi, this is Cheryl Broderson. Growing up, I had the wonderful privilege of spending every morning with my dad. And every morning, he would impart to me just a little bit of God's wisdom. Now, you can have that same opportunity if you pick up my father's devotional, Wisdom for Today. 
It's a 365-day trip through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And each day ends with a special prayer incorporating what you learn into your heart. That's wisdom for today. I pray that you have a wonderful journey with my Father. The gift of wisdom is priceless. Be sure to order Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith as a gift for yourself or for a friend. Call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673. That's 1-800-272-9673. Or to read a sample, visit thewordfortoday.org.